Hello, and welcome to the Passion on Purpose Leaders on Center Stage podcast. I am Steph, and I'm the owner and creative director of Vim. Vim's mission is to showcase the enthusiasm and passion of business leaders nationwide. I cannot wait to have you listen to the show and stick around. At the end, we talk a little bit about how you can be my next guest. All right, we are back with another episode of the Passion on Purpose Leaders on Center Stage podcast. I'm so excited. We have another amazing leader, uh, someone in the industry that I'm so excited to talk about uh, since even pre-COVID, the fractional world has been growing. And uh, whether you know what that means or not, we're definitely going to dive into it. But it is a beautiful, amazing model that I'm so proud to partake in myself and so proud to see growing. So I'm stoked to talk to you, Gina, and dive in more on that. Awesome. Uh, me too. I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to do what started. we I didn't know what fractional was, so I'll talk about it all day long. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I'm sure listeners are, are going to be anticipating us getting there, but we're going to do what we normally do. We're going to work backwards a little before we get there. And so my question to you is, without saying what you do, tell me why you do it. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I do it because I love to make things work uh, effectively and um, a lot better. It's like a blessing and a curse all at one time because I'll be out. I'll be out and about just living my life and it'll drive me crazy when I see things happening that aren't organized and working effectively. And I'm like, Ooh, I need to do this. I need to do this because <laughs> it's just like, it's, I don't know. It just drives me crazy. So that's why I do it. I love it. It's just this, I, I need it to be fixed. It drives me crazy. If I need that, maybe other people need it too. That's it. Yep, exactly. So where do you think that comes from? Like, what do you think your earliest memory of seeing this like oh that's not right i need to get that you know compartmentalized and structured better like when when are some of your earliest memories of that so you know i think some of our childhood memories are prompted by stories people tell about us um so the story that my grandfather loved telling everybody that when i was like three years old i was in the grocery store um and i was walking down the cereal aisle and apparently I didn't like the way the cereal aisle was like organized. So I took all the boxes off the shelves that I could reach, which was like the bottom shelf, had them all out in the middle of the floor. My grandmother was horrified. My grandfather's laughing at me. And here I am putting the boxes back in the order that I thought they needed to be in. Uh, so, yeah, this is something apparently I was born with. Oh, I love it. So at what, so, cause, so I call that an innate, like an innate skill or innate talent or innate, innate desire. Um, at what stage in your life did that innate thing come into your career or like job or entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. So most of my, so, so I, I was working very early uh, at a very young age because my father had like, Each time I inserted myself into a job, I was always finding, I didn't know I did this, but they're like, uh, you just did that differently. And what you just did is better. Can you like tell us what you did or how you did it? And I was like, what are you talking about? I just did the thing. 
<laughs> Isn't that know. how everyone does it? I, it's what I thought. Why isn't yeah. everybody doing it that way? And so that just became a trend um, in every job I went into. I just, I went in, I saw something, I asked if I could change it. I changed it. They're like, oh, that works better. Um, and I didn't realize that was a gift. I just thought, like you said, doesn't everybody do this? So it kind of got inserted in every job I had, but I didn't recognize that it was an innate talent and a gift that that not everybody had until probably seven years ago. <laughs> okay, nice. And yeah. then at, so at that seven years, okay, so wait, a couple things I want to unpack before I ask that. Yes. Okay, I love that you said that you didn't recognize it as a skill because I, I feel like that is a huge, I don't know if I should call it a problem or a huge growth opportunity for everyone, especially... I mean, I look back to junior high, high school, all of these early young developments, college, first jobs, where you are just doing exactly as you did, doing what you assume is the normal, appropriate way to do X, Y, and Z, because no one ever tells us that it is unique, that you might do something different, right? We're never taught that. Mm -mm. No. Or if we are taught it, we're like, we might be taught in a way that we interpret as not um, is not very nice. Like, why are you doing it that way? Everybody else doesn't do it that way, right? Yeah. And whether that's what they said or not, that might be what I heard. So mm -hmm. then I might be like, oh, okay, well, that's different. That's not good. Yes, no, the assumption that different equals not good. And mm -hmm. whoa, that's a really great point because think about where we are in our development right around the you know, precipice of, getting into these first jobs, right? Just out of high school or college. Um, we are in this, we're still like uh, validation seekers because we have a professor or a teacher that is essentially proving that we are good or not. Mm -hmm. And then we get right into the workforce with a boss who we also are per perceiving this like validation from. And we, we just don't even realize that what we're doing could be right or wrong, or that if it's different, that that's okay. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. That's a really, it, it took me a while. Like even, even when people would tell me that what I was doing was, was good or special, or, you know, it was, it was not everybody did it. I'd be like, Oh, you're just telling me that because you're trying to be nice to me or you just want something from me. So you have to say that, right? <laughs> just a lot of self, doubt and you know, uncertainty, um, which comes with, you know, age, but um, it was interesting. Yeah. I found that the same for me. It took years for me to come into the realization that some things that were innate were yeah. skills. And I yeah. think I still, to this day, probably have things that come natural to me that I assume everyone else has as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So then seven years ago, you really tap into this. I do things differently. I organize cereal boxes from the age of three. What else can I organize and improve upon the way, the way that you see it to be improved upon that? So seven years ago, what shifted for you in your career? Um, well, so my career, I, I 
was a corporate girl for most of my career. Um, but about 10, I don't know, heck, I, it could be later. It could be longer ago than that. Um, my company went, the company that I was working for went bankrupt. And so I found myself at a crossroads. So I'm like, okay, now what, what am I going to do with myself? Um, it took me some time to figure it out, but someone somewhere along the way said, Hey, Gina, you're really good at um, helping us grow. You're really good at managing change, which is a lot of what I do. Um, maybe you need to do something like that for companies. Um, so I started out kind of just consulting, doing some process consulting, change management consulting, some of that stuff. And then this whole world that you mentioned, a fractional came out and somebody was like, hey, what you do is really kind of fractional operation stuff. So why don't you do that? And I was like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I've never what heard of the word. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, and so that's really when it started. So then when all that connected, I was like, oh, that's my gift. Because I would start working with these companies and they're like, oh, I, I didn't even see that. Like it was right underneath my eyes. How couldn't I see that? I kept seeing this theme. How did you see that? How did you know to make that better? You just knew. A lot of what I do is I um, go into companies and help them find the problem. They think they know the problem. They never know the problem. Ever. Oh, problem. <laughs> so, it's, hard, it's hard to look into yourself and recognize problems. Like that's a yeah. hard thing. So having someone from the outside looking in is invaluable. Yes. Yes. So, um, so that's when I started to tap into, Ooh, maybe, maybe this is something that I, that I do that is special that not everybody else has. So now this word, this like fractional operations, uh, concept is put into your, your sphere and, and you're being, uh, implored to do it because you have the skill. So what do you do with that? Like, do you just jump to Google and say, what in the heck is a fract fractional operations person do? Or uh, how did the beginning really start for you? Um, well, I tried to do that. I tried to go into Google and say, what is a fractional operations? What does a fractional COO do? And um, there weren't very many responses back because there's yeah. a lot of fractional HR. There's a lot of fractional CFOs. There are a lot of fractional marketing, but this thing called operations is this big black hole for most people that they mm -hmm. think, Oh, it's, it's just going to happen on its own. It's just the stuff that happens. You don't really need to focus on it. Um, nothing needs, you know, that's fine. See if maybe a CFO is going to take care of that, or maybe the salesperson will take, it's like, no, no, no operations is the whole middle from when yeah. you make the sale to when you deliver the sale all of that in the middle is operations and most of the time it's the most um underlooked part of the business and it is the thing that contributes the most to the profit and your satisfaction levels your service levels all the stuff um so i didn't really find much so then i just started crafting <laughs> what I thought it might look like um, when I was starting to go into some clients and work with some of these amazing business owners. That's so cool. So one thing that when the term fractional COO came into my sphere, I immediately thought back to any of my careers where we had a, a COO, we had an actual mm -hmm. operations department. And my first thought was, they're so hands-on. They're so, um, like the, the most recent 
prior to starting them, the most recent operations uh, department that I was a part of or had the luxury of being supported through um, was a distributor of beauty products. Mm -hmm. So, right, we got a packing, we got shipping, we've got picking, uh, and we have the sales team. We have all of this, and I'm looking at an operational department who is very in the business, literally and physically. And mm -hmm. so when the idea of a fractional COO and, right, go back two years ago, no one is seeing anyone in person. I'm like, wait, how would this work? You're virtual. You're not going to be in the middle of the warehouse helping the pickers figure out who and how to pick. So tell, I want you to, to tell me a little bit about how the approach of a fractional or virtual COO can, can really work for most businesses. Yeah, that is a great question because I get that a lot. Well, don't you need to hear, be here all the time? No, right. I, because if I'm a COO that's in the business all the time, I'm not doing a good job because mm -hmm. really the job of the COO is to um, make sure, kind of give that oversight, make sure the processes are functioning the way that they're supposed to, make sure the people are empowered with the processes to make sure they can be the most efficient and effective, really to help remove roadblocks, to help, you know, I mean, really a lot of what I do is a lot of leadership mentoring, teaching people how to be better leaders um, of both the process and the people. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of what I do, I, well, first of all, I've been working remote for 20 some odd years because I work wow. for a telecommunications company. So this whole thing of everybody being like, oh, I'm working from home. I'm like, okay, I've been doing it forever. <laughs> so I know, so, so I'm saying that because I know how to lead remotely. Um, there's a lot that can be done just by asking. I ask a million questions. And when I ask the questions, I can see where the places are to look. I can mm -hmm. go send people to go look. They can report back. Um, if I have to, I'll make visits, but very seldom do I have to do it. I can look at a process. I can listen to what the people are telling me and we can work together to make whatever change is necessary. And what percentage of your um, clientele now is, are you serving in the fractional COO way? And you kind of alluded to uh, maybe potentially other services that the Folk Group offers. What other areas are you if you're not fractional COOing are you supporting them yeah so it depends on I I meet my clients where they are right so some of them already have a COO but they're trying to start like I one of my clients already had a COO but she was COO only because she was one of the co-founders and okay. she just got the title because the other one had the CEO title right and right. they had to have somebody run the business so she, she was she's uh was trying to craft she had a problem with her services department her client services department and so she hired me to come in and help with that but what we're doing now is so i'm leading that team or i'm helping guide and lead and develop that team but i'm also because she asked me to mentoring her about what does it mean to be this thing called coo i don't know oh i hope Often i didn't Oh, I lost you for a second, but I hope I hope I didn't. <laughs> um, so she didn't really have the expertise of COO. She had her own expertise, which is what we find. I find very common in these entrepreneurial high growth companies is they're in it because they have the craft that they started their business on, but they don't necessarily have the business um, experience. 
right? They have their experience of the craft they're doing. They don't have the business. So for them, I'm leading, helping them lead and grow an organization. I'm serving as a mentor for another client. I'm kind of the um, project oversight for change management and giving leadership on how to change for another one. I'm actually mentoring their director of operations because he hasn't been that before. So it's, it's a mix of different things, but I just really like to listen to what they need and, and insert myself where they need me most. Absolutely. What has been one of the most rewarding, um, and I'm sure all of them are rewarding in some way. So I guess not the most, but what's a standout rewarding, you know, like go back to that three-year-old who was so stoked to organize the cereal. Like what was the most re uh, rewarding experience lately where you felt like the systems and the work you did in the operations side made a huge impact? Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. I had, there, there's a couple, but one is um, one of my companies that I'm working with I um, I could assess their entire organization and all their processes, and we are readjusting now um, to scale for growth. That's one of the reasons they helped me. But we're also, and how do I say this? This is a, it's a highlight, but it's not a highlight. We're making sure, and you've heard this term before, they have the right people on the bus to take them forward, mm -hmm. um, and in doing so you know, you're starting to see a shift because the owners are really burnt out and like, ah, oh, it's just not working or whatever. So you're starting to see the shift, like they're getting their passion and their energy and their vision back because we started working on um, tapping into how do we actually grow with the right people in the right way. So it's really cool to see, to see that when somebody's just like overwhelmed and stressed and like kind of almost downtrodden to now get this whole energy and vibrance back. Like, Oh, I love my business now. Yes. I know why I'm doing it. That's just a lot of fun. I love that you've wrapped that idea of the right people in the bus, the, the team mentality into the operations. Cause it's always fallen on, I would say probably like maybe sales, customer service, or maybe HR's department, right? Very rarely in my own personal experience have I seen operations take control of that. Um, so I just wanted to state that, but I have a question because you said some things that are, my memory is flushing back to previous uh, lives of mine. Are you familiar with John Gordon's The Energy Bus? I have read that book, yes. Okay, so are you working through with any of your clients that program that he has, or is that just a coincidence? Just a coincidence. I don't do that program. <laughs> that, the idea of the right people on your bus is really the concept behind that. And um, one of my previous employers did a phenomenal job of working through the operations director. So the COO did exactly as you mentioned, um, brought that under his department to bring all of the departments together to get yep. those seats filled. I, I love that. Yeah. And that's what we're doing because I, for me, I also, I also need everybody to work together. So like, you know, oftentimes in companies you've got sales mm -hmm. and then you've got, you know, marketing and then you've got service and then you've got finance and you've got, and you may have, and you're going to have like engineering if you're in a IT organization and they all tend to be, even no matter how big the company is, they can get siloed. Yep. 
I do not. I'm like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And so that, so it's all, it's gone up and down. Like I don't just play in my box. I can't help it. I tell people when they hire me, I don't play in my box. If you're going to ask me to just play in my box, don't hire me because I'm going to make sure the process and the people work together from the start to the finish. Cause if they're not, then you're not going to grow effectively and you're not going to make the most profit you can. It's just not how it's going to work. If you want silos, you can have it, but you won't want me. <laughs> Yeah. No, I love, I love that you stand your ground on that, which is a good segue into my next question, which is when somebody comes to the folk group, whether it's through social, through the website, through a referral, what are the, the first impressions that you hope they feel and get from the folk group's brand? Yeah. Um, the first thing I want them to do or feel mostly to feel is feel heard, right? I want them to feel heard. I want them to feel like I can understand what they're looking for. And then a lot of them tell me after a conversation with me, like I give them hope. This is just after oh. the first initial conversation I have yeah. that I actually give them hope because again, they're coming to me because they're really at their wits end. They're like, my company's growing. I'm out of control. My sales are fine. My profits are terrible. What can I can't, nobody's been able to help me. And so I know I've done my job and they're like, when they're shaking their head the whole time, I'm listening yeah. to him saying, is this what's happening? Is this what's happening? And they're like, yep, yep, yep. And then when I end, they're like, oh my gosh, this is the first time I felt hope in forever. And almost every single one of my clients have felt that like after that initial consult. So it's just, that's just like so rewarding just in that one conversation. Uh, absolutely. Like who, I love that you said that be heard and have hope. Mm -hmm. And as a business owner, I mean, I'm sure we could both nod our heads to each other. <laughs> listeners, entrepreneurial listeners and owners who are listening, they're probably nodding your head. How many times in our journey do we feel alone, not heard and lacking hope? Uh, more than I would care to admit. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. It's really hard. And uh, so I love that that is what people can expect from the folk group. Yeah. 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 And if they don't get that, then they need to tell me or we're just not the right fit. Right. And that's okay. That's yeah. okay. If you don't want to be heard, if you don't need any help, then we're not for you. But if you're looking for that, <laughs> give us a call. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's all I know how to do. <laughs> I love it. So I want to make sure that the audience and listeners have a really good idea of whether or not uh, what you're offering at the folk group is a good fit for them. And then what, how can they kind of get started with you? Yeah. So I will say the first criteria is um, the companies have to be in a high growth stage and have somewhere between 20, 20, no, no less than 20 employees, because that's really the sweet spot. And, you know, if you have less than that, you can probably manage it on your own. But when you start moving and you're scaling and you have 20 employees and you need to add and you're going to grow really fast, that's where my sweet spot comes in. Okay. Um, I tend to attract clients in the South, although I have one in California now, um, okay. but probably just because I'm a Southern girl. So <laughs> yeah, but male or female, like, uh, uh, whoever can handle, let me say this, whoever can handle the truth in a way ah. that's not going to be offensive would be the people that I would be working with the best. Nice. And then what's a good way to um, kick things off with you? Like what's a good introduction to working with the folk group? 
Yeah. Um, so anybody that's interested or has heard this and might be interested in a call, uh, the best way to get me is just on LinkedIn. Just find me on LinkedIn, message me. You know, you messaged me. I answer back. I do yes. watch LinkedIn. Um, and we'll just set up a quick 30 minute call and see what it's all about. Awesome. Well, I love that because uh, especially for a brand who prides themselves on you know, listening and giving hope. I can't imagine that that call with you wouldn't be rewarding, even if they don't choose to work with you. So that's a huge yeah. gift that you're offering. Yeah. And it's rewarding for me too, because I learn every single time I have one of those conversations. So I believe it. Well, yeah. I just, I thank you again for coming on and sharing a lot of really good info. Like I said, I knew we were going to geek out about the whole fractional COO thing. Uh, it's, uh, I am so blessed to have a fractional COO in my world. And uh, I can attest that that role being filled has changed not only my business, and I'm not being facetious here, but my life. Mm -hmm. So the work you do is incredible. I, I hope mm -hmm. listeners really go and check out your information. I'll make sure in the show notes, guys, I'll put the link. Um, I will also make sure that your LinkedIn profile, Gina, is on there so that yep. they can get you easy there. And uh, other than that, I, I guess we'll just talk to you all next time. Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Steph here. Thank you so much for listening to the Passion on Purpose Leaders on Center Stage podcast. If you are a successful business owner and you lead your business with passion, we'd love to feature you on our show. We'd love to share with the world what makes your business great and how you have intentionally led passion throughout your business. Also, if you got any value or little tidbits from this episode, please take a minute to screenshot the episode and share it on your favorite social media platform. Be sure to tag us so we can properly thank you and we love deepening our connection with our listeners. We are regularly putting out new episodes to feature leaders such as yourself who lead with passion on purpose. So be sure to subscribe to our show so you don't miss any future episodes. For more episodes, guest information, or details on the show, please visit getvim.com forward slash passion on purpose. That's get v-i-i-m dot com forward slash passion on purpose. Once again, I'm Steph. I'm the owner and creative director at Vim. And thank you for listening to the show.